The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merritt, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. What's good, everybody, and welcome to Sports Talk New York here on Long Island WGBB. I'm Andy Sugo. I'll be your host tonight on this Sunday evening, November 7th, 2021, here in Merrick, New York. On the show tonight, the Giants won today, so we got that going for it. And we've got open lines here for the first half hour of the show. So if you want to talk about the Giants or any of the other games that happened today, or maybe you want to talk about the Jet game on Thursday night, hit me up, 516-623-1240. I'll be here. And afterwards, in the second half of the show, we have Chicago Cubs pitcher Albert Alzali joining us, so you'll definitely don't want to miss that. Before we begin, I just want to remind everyone, you can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You can visit our website at WGBBSportsTalk.com, where you can listen to all past shows and check out any upcoming show information. And if you don't already, I invite you to subscribe to the podcast WGBB Sports Talk New York on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right, we got, we got our house cleaning out of the way. So, let's, let's open, let's open with some good news. The Giants won a football game. And they, they beat a good, a pretty good Raider team. I mean, look, the Raiders are imploding right now. Really, still dealing with the fallout from John Gruden resigning over the emails he sent to basically the entire world. And earlier this week, the, incident with Henry Ruggs and his DUI that unfortunately led to the death of a young woman and her dog and his subsequent release. Then you had the video of Damon Arnett with the gun threatening to kill people. That's never a good sign. So the the Raiders are having their own brand of fun right now. Not really what you want to see if you're a Raiders fan. But for the Giants, that worked out all those distractions Led, helped lead the Giants to a 23-16 victory today over the Raiders. And I, I got to give the Giants some credit here. Usually, if you're putting up 250 yards of offense, in today's NFL, you're not winning. But their defense played great. Like, you know, shout-out to Xavier McKinney. Two interceptions, including a pick six that opened up the second half and really set the tone for what the Giants did the rest of the game. You know, when you when you start a half with a pick six that gets the crowd back into it, some of them may not have even gotten back to their seats in the bathroom yet. But you know, when when you hear that crowd going, then things start things start to roll. So it's a, a really good really good turnaround for for the team to get that going, and especially for the Giants when they had, I think it was like thirteen players test positive for COVID this week, and a lot of them it turns out was false positives, but there was that precarious situation where who knows how many of them were going to be able to play today. And luckily, most of them were able to. They've got other injuries of their own, like Saquon Barkley out for another game, Sterling Shepard not playing today. Kenny Galladay did come back, though, so at least Daniel Jones had one of his weapons back. And you know what? Daniel Jones didn't re- didn't really have to do a whole lot today because the defense did play pretty well. Daniel Jones goes out there, completes 15 or 20 passes, only throws for 110 yards, which, that's really not, that's not good. If you're, if you're averaging five yards, five and a half yards per passing attempt, 
That's that's not going to do it in today's NFL. He only, he only threw one touchdown. The the very nice play to Evan Ingram in the first quarter. And only turned the ball over once. No interceptions. He did fumble. But if you hold on to the ball, that's huge for your offense. Because a, a lot of the talk was Jones, Daniel Jones can't hold on to the ball. He turns it over a lot. We really haven't seen him throw that many interceptions. He had one bad game this year. Uh... The Rams game was a bad one. And then after that, and before that even, he was one of the top, top at least for fantasy purposes, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Because he, he was putting up good numbers, throwing touchdowns, just a matter of holding on to the ball. So that your defense isn't out on the field for 47 minutes a game. And as a Jets fan, I'm, I'm used to that kind of thing. Because I've seen that a lot this season. Devontae Booker goes out there, puts up almost 100 yards rushing. And with Saquon Barkley out, and hopefully for not much longer, because you obviously want to have your number two draft pick that you're paying a lot of money to, you want to see him out on the field. But if you have a guy like Booker who's going to carry the load pretty effectively, I mean, you're averaging almost five yards carry. That's pretty good. Like Most teams would kill for that. But, again, as I said, you put up 250 yards of offense in today's NFL, more often than not, you're not going to win. It got the job done today. So they're 3-6, and six, heading into the bye week. Obviously, that's not what Giants fans wanted. That's not what the team themselves wanted. There were, there were some expectations going into the season. When you bring in guys like Kenny Galladay, and you draft Kadarius Tony, you're, make, you're making... You're putting the offense together for Daniel Jones to take that next step, especially here in year three, where we saw we saw it last year with the New York Jets. The, the Giants are in a very similar situation, where you have a quarterback that's in his third year. Next year, you have to choose to pick up the fifth-year option or let him walk after four. The Jets chose not to do that with Sam Darnold. They chose to trade him to the Carolina Panthers, and draft another quarterback. And the 2022 draft, the it, it's funny that when you look at who was the top quarterbacks in the draft six months before the season start, before the college football season started, and then as the college season kept on going, how that changed, who goes up, who goes down. So every, everybody was very high on Spencer Rattler and Bryce Young. And now Spencer Rattler isn't even starting for Oklahoma. And nobody hears, nobody hears anything from, uh, Sam Howell, I'm sorry, Sam Howell from, uh, North Carolina. Bryce Young from Alabama. Bama quarterbacks are going to always be high commodities, especially in Heisman voting because they, they always win. Now, you look at the, you look at the draft boards and you're seeing guys like Matt Quarrel up there. You're seeing Kenny Pickett starting to make his way up the boards. So the Giants are in that position where they have to see, is Daniel Jones going to be the guy? And you wanted him to take that step this year, in year three. So that way, there wasn't going to be a question of, should we pick up the fifth-year option at what could amount to be $20 million? Or do we trade him or just let him play out this year and then draft the quarterback in 2022 or 2023 that we think is going to be 
that guy for our team. At three and six, you can't really make that decision yet. You want to see what you definitely got to see what he does coming back from the bye week. You can string together some wins that should that should give him give him and the organization some confidence that he's going to be their guy going forward. Because quarterback is a hard position to find the guy. Not everybody's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Not everybody's going to be Justin Herbert, where you're going to see them come out of the gate like a house on fire. I mean, of course, we would all want that. I mean, who who wouldn't want that for their team? Where this guy can just come in and immediately light it up, and you say you say to yourself, okay, this is our guy. Now we got to build this team to his strengths. Daniel Jones, he's not Patrick Mahomes. Sorry, I'm just gonna just gonna tell you that right now. But he can win games. I think we I think we all know that. We we all want to see him take that next step, especially New York New York Metro football. Because I I'm going to leave the Bills out of this because everyone's like, oh, the Bills are the only team that actually play in New York. Where when we talk New York, obviously we're talking teams. We're talking about the Metro area, and both the Jets and Giants have done nothing in the last five or six years that make you say, okay, these are these teams are going in the right direction. Like ever since the Giants last went to the playoffs and they took that picture on the boat, they have been one of the worst teams in football. The Jets had the longest active playoff drought. So clearly the fans want to see something different. The teams want to see something different because they want to go they want to go to the playoffs. And the Giants Giants have that opportunity to see if Jones is going to be the guy who leads in there. And I don't I don't like making excuses for for players, but I will I will say for Jones, he had he has had a rough go of it this year with injuries. I think every single receiver has been out for at least a game more some more than once. So like Sterling Shepard, he's been out Kenny Galladay hasn't has missed some time. Saquon Barkley has missed time, and he's missed time every year for the last three years. That's not that's not helpful to your young quarterback. That's not helpful for a team that has expectations. You want this guy that you drafted very high in the draft to be on the field seventeen times a year. You want him to be putting up a hundred yards a game. And getting into the end zone, at least every other game. Preferably, you'd like him to put put in the end zone 10, 12, 13, 14 times. But if you get eight or nine, that's pretty good. You want to win? You need your guys healthy. And right now, the Giants have not been a healthy franchise. They need to get everybody together. They have the bye week this week. Now's the time to get everybody healthy, get everybody ready to go. Because then, come week eleven, it's it's home stretch time. They may not win the division because Dallas, at, sitting at six and two, they're they're looking pretty good right now. I mean, obviously not today, as we'll we'll get we'll get into that in a little bit as they play the Denver Broncos. But the Giants schedule the rest of the way after they come back from the bye week. 
they have a Monday night game in Tampa against Tom Brady and the Bucks. And you know how much Tom Brady loves playing the Giants. And the Giants love playing Tom Brady for the same reason. Then they got, they start, they have, they still have plenty of divisional games too. They've got two against the Eagles. They still got one against Dallas. They still have one against Washington. So those are the, those are the important games in your division. You still got four more to go. Though you have, the Giants want to, want to have anything to work with. They got to win all four of those. They go, they go to Miami. And the Miami Dolphins have not been good this year. They did win today, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call what they did dominant. I wouldn't call what they did even good. I mean, they're playing the Houston Texans and Tyrod Taylor is back from injury and didn't look, he, he definitely needs some, needs some more reps to get back into game shape. Then they, then they play in Los Angeles against the Chargers. That's going to be a very tough test because you're playing a very, very good quarterback in Justin Herbert. And I I will say this because I have Justin Herbert in fantasy. I love watching him play because he is just so... He is just that good. And, like, he is, he's a guy who they... The Chargers have built around him the right way. And they're, they're playing some very good football right now. And the, last, the other game on their schedule is a game in Chicago against the Bears. And again, rookie quarterback who is all, who has made his mistakes. Just like every rookie, just like every rookie quarterback does. The Giants have a, have the opportunity to capitalize on that. Their defense can play as well as they did today against a rookie quarterback. They should win that game. That's 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 how I look at it. They have the opportunity to win games and to flirt with five hundred. That could get them into the wild card spot. It's it's not going to get them the division crown. It's not going to get them a home playoff game, but it's going to put them in the hunt. You know, like when you're when you're watching the games in December and you know they're thirteen games in and they start showing all the standings and. Here's the division leaders. Here's the wild card in the hunt. That's where the Giants should be. And there's no reason for this team not to be. And I, I really do believe that. Even at three and six, I know that they are better than that. And that they should be, they should be further along than where they are. Because they're, they're further on that rebuild. Than a team like the New York Jets, where they had where they had to start from scratch, I had I have had to do that multiple times. But that's one of the nice things about being a Jets fan. They already lost on Thursday, so I was able to watch all the games today without any real like I could just watch them and enjoy it because it wasn't like oh I've, I got to keep an eye on the Jets, watch them watch them get destroyed and then be upset the rest of the day as I'm watching other teams play what sometimes amounts to a different sport. And that's not that's not a knock on Mike White or Josh Johnson, who did play very who did play pretty well yes on Thursday. So I'm I'm not knocking them at all. because I, I can't. Like you're you're a third you're back up in your third string quarterback. 
are getting thrown into the fire and they're doing every they're doing as best as they can. But the fact of the matter is their defense was awful. Like that was like giving up giving up 50, 30 and 45 in 3 straight weeks. That's very concerning. But today I didn't have to worry about that. Today was I could watch I could watch the games as at my leisure, bouncing around from TV to TV, just kind of checking out every game. I was I was in the I was in the city, and the fun part about watching football in the city is that you walk into any bar, and every TV you got a little you have little pockets of people watching each game. So we we were sitting next to a couple of Bills fans, and behind us were a group of screaming Browns fans who were watching as the Browns absolutely throttled the Cincinnati Bengals. And you could tell when something big was happening because you just heard, yeah, let's go Chubb, let's go. And you look up and Nick Chubb is running to the end zone on a 70-yard touchdown. So it's nice when the fans can all get together and enjoy those moments. And with that, there were a lot of interesting games today. A lot of really fun ones to watch with, like some good storylines, some good finishes. So like I, like I was talking about Justin Herbert before, and here's why. They they go to the East Coast. They play the Philadelphia Eagles, and the and the link is not an easy place to play. Eagles fans are crazy. They are loud, and even if the Eagles aren't the most competitive team in the world, they fight. I will I will give them that. They are fighters, and this game went right down to the wire. Jalen Hurts played pretty well. It's 24-24. Chargers Charger start making their way down the field and get their, get the winning field goal with two seconds left to win 27-24 on the road in Philadelphia. Gotta, gotta give them props because that is not an easy thing to do. And Justin Herbert out there chucking the ball around for 356 yards, three total touchdowns, and just looking like he, he could be an MVP candidate this year. Then there's the Minnesota Vikings and the Baltimore Ravens. And I I like to talk about how Jets fans have it rough, but my God, do the Vi- do Vikings fans ha- are they snake bit or what? And so are the Vikings themselves. And they're up twenty four to ten, and they can't hold that lead in the second half and lose thirty four thirty one in overtime. How do you how do you let that happen? I I I don't understand how that's possible, because they're this is a team that was going shot for shot with Dallas last week, and then this week they they can't hold on to a two touchdown lead. And look, I, I know Lamar Jackson's great, I do, but that's that's just unacceptable. If you're if you're a Vikings fan, you sh- like you should be wanting better. And I, I do know some Vikings fans, I, and I know they do. I, I've seen Fire Zimmer on so many Twitter feeds that I have to make, I have to remind myself, like, you know, this was you last year when you were talking about how the Jets should fire Adam Gase. So I get it, I do. And I, prof, and props to Lamar Jackson for leading that comeback, and had an 18-play, 82-yard drive in the fourth quarter that got them back to a tie game. And then it, things just went from there. 
Justin Tucker being Justin Tucker and being one of those, probably the most clutch kicker of all time, goes out there, kicks the winning field goal in overtime. That's, that's what you want. If you're a Ravens fan, you're over the moon. That was a game that you had no business winning, and you did. So, good on you. I already mentioned the Broncos. They go out, they go to Dallas, and stun the Cowboys at home. Not, not only did they, not only did they beat them, they were up 30 to nothing with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. When was the last time you saw the Dallas Cowboys play that poorly at home? And sure, they scored two touchdowns late in the game to make it 30 to 16, but the Jets did the same thing on Thursday night. That's why 45-30 doesn't look as bad as 45-16. You still, they still got smacked around. There's no, there's no way around that. Dak, like, people want Dak Prescott to be the man. You can't be the man when you're throwing under 50% completion percentage. Like, that's not, that's not gonna work. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I didn't see that coming at all. I don't think anybody did. The Broncos have been kinda up and down. They started out 3-0, and but they weren't, they hadn't played anybody that special yet. The Giants were still kind of trans, in a transitional spot. The Jaguars, no good. The Jets, no good. And they started getting into the meat of their schedule and you started to see some of the flaws in their roster. But, as they sit here right now, they're, they're hovering around 500. There's no reason why they, if, why they can't think that they can make, they can make the playoffs. There's no reason for them not to think that. Especially with the Chiefs not being the 14 and 2 Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are sitting at 5 and 4. And for all I know, they may make a run. They may, they may wind up going 13 and 4. But until they, until they make that leap where we can look and say, okay, yeah, these, the Chiefs are back. There's no reason why the rest of the AFC West shouldn't be licking their chops at making a run. I mean, right now, the Raiders are sitting at five and three. I believe the Chargers are five and four, and I and the Broncos are four and five, if I recall. I'm gonna just verify this quick, so that way we can all we can all be on the same page here. So the Broncos are five and four too. So why couldn't they? Why couldn't they be those guys that win the division? I don't see any reason why they shouldn't count themselves out. At, that right now could be the most competitive division in football when everything when everything gets to it. Where you might be looking like late December, early January, and that division is still not still not decided. And that that's going to be a lot of fun to watch on Red Zone as we get later on to the season. And where I didn't see the Broncos winning like a game like that. Another thing I didn't see coming, and I hate that it's happening, is how bad Sam Darnold looks. Since he got traded to Carolina, like I readily admit, I wanted nothing but the best for him. I wanted him to go out there and and play his heart out and throw for thirty-seven hundred yards and thirty touchdowns. I wanted him to be good, even. Even in spite of the fact that the Jets wouldn't have gotten a good pick in exchange. Because that was a guy who, 
his entire time with the New York Jets, never said anything wrong, always did the right thing, and you, you just you felt bad for him because he was set up to fail with the New York Jets. He got traded to Carolina. And thought, okay, he's got his fresh start. Then he starts out three and zero and is lighting the world on fire. And everyone's like, okay, th- so this is clearly what Sam Darnold can do. And then once Christian McCaffrey got hurt, it went all downhill. And now we're seeing New York Jets Sam Darnold with the Carolina Panthers throwing another few interceptions today in a 24-6 loss to the New England Patriots, having one of his friend, one of his friends, one of his best wide receivers, Robbie Anderson, berating him on the sidelines. That that's not what you want to see when you're the starting quarterback of this team. You don't you don't want your wide receivers yelling at you because you threw an interception. It look it it's going to happen from time to time because if it, there was miscommunication. But we're seeing the same mistakes and the same issues that plagued him with the New York Jets manifesting themselves with the Carolina Panthers. And he's he's already been he's already been benched before this season. And could it be a matter of time before Matt Rule, where he may want, he may be trying to save his job, where he's going to say, okay, I gotta, I gotta make sure that I win games, and he's going to take, and he takes Sam Darnold out? It's certainly a possibility. And I, I hate to see it because, like I said, I wanted him to be good. I really did. But every game that the Panthers lose is good for the Jets, so I can't be too upset because if that that second round pick becomes like pick like 35 or 36 you know what that's basically another first round pick I'm not going to be too mad at that but like I said I I, I really hope he he figures it out and fig, and gets to that level where he can be at least a capable starter in the NFL he doesn't need to be Patrick Mahomes he doesn't need to be Aaron Rodgers but why couldn't he be Alex Smith? And Alex Smith put together a 15-year career. And once he got out of San Francisco, he won. And he you started winning in San Francisco with, with Jim Harbaugh, but once he got to Andy Reid, that's when things really took off for him. What, like Why couldn't Sam Darnold have that? And that that's a guy who, like I said, I... I I want to see him be better than what he has been. Just like I want to see Daniel Jones be better than what he has been. And I know Giants fans want to see Daniel Jones be better than what he has been. And I, I think he's I think he's got that in him to do it. I just hope it's not too late for him to show it. Because if he can't, his clock is running out real fast. And give it, give it another year or two, and we may never see him again. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have Albert Alzali from the Chicago Cubs joining us here on the show to talk about the 2021 season and what his expectations are for 2022. So we're going to, we'll be right back. You, you definitely want to stick around here on Sports Talk New York.
listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And we're back for the second half of hour two of Sports Talk New York here on WGBB, 1240 AM and 95.9 FM here on Long Island, New York. I'm Andy Sukov, and of course, before we get back to it, i got to shout out my, my man Brian Graves. How we doing tonight? Got the double thumbs up today. Usually, usually I only get one. Today we got two. That's a big one. I, I love it. So, I fun a little fun stat that, since we were talking about football before, one game I did miss was the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers. And the 49ers, or the Arizona Cardinals, were playing without a lot of their main players. Kyler Murray didn't play. DeAndre Hopkins didn't play. Chase Edmonds was out of the game like five minutes into the first quarter. And they still went into San Francisco and won 31-17 on the road. And it wasn't even that close. So, Levi Stadium, where the San Francisco 49ers play, was built several years ago. And since that stadium has been built, the 49ers are under 500 in home games at Levi Stadium. So I, I made a joke to a friend of mine who's a 49ers fan. I said, I guess it's, I guess that means it's time to resurrect Candlestick Park and, br- and bring back that huge home field advantage for the San Francisco 49ers. And he said, like, you, this is, that's exactly what we want. And like, I, like, I've been to San Francisco and, and sat at a baseball game in the middle of July, and it was very windy there. Like, I can only imagine what a football game in November would be like in San Francisco. I, I'm like I, I've been at, I've been at MetLife Stadium, I've been at Giant Stadium, and those were basically wind tunnels where it could be like a five mile an hour wind outside, but then you go inside, it's like twenty seven miles an hour. I was always amazed that anybody could kick at Giant Stadium and at MetLife. I never understood how it was possible, and made me glad that I never I was never good at it. We're gonna switch gears here, so we'll have Adbert like in just a couple of minutes. So we're gonna we're gonna bring it from the gridiron to the diamond. So I want to take a moment here to congratulate the Atlanta Braves on winning the World Series, and on this is where um where Bill, who's on at eight, and I will differ. He's a Mets fan, hates the fact that the Braves won. I'm a Yankees fan. I would never root for the Houston Astros in the World Series just because I'm still a little bit I'm still a little bit salty about 2017. So you better believe I was rooting for Atlanta. That and they they have a likable team. Like even if I was a Mets fan, I would I still probably would have rooted for Atlanta. Just because they, they are they're enjoyable to watch. Like I'm a big Freddie Freeman fan. I think he's one of the best players in the league and should have a lot more recognition than he does. Like if he pl- if he played for Boston or he played for the Dodgers, he would probably win MVP every single year. And as it is, he plays in Atlanta and still just kills it. So big so big congratulations to them and for winning 
Game six in Houston. If they would have lost Game six, I I don't know if I would have been able to watch Game seven without like major anxiety, because that that was definitely a game where, like, just like any time, Game sevens are so unpredictable. You never know what might go down. So luckily, the Braves didn't have to worry about that, and the Braves and their fans got their parade down the the Atlanta version of the Canyon Heroes. Not exactly sure what it's called. I'll have to go look. I've actually never been down to Atlanta. That's now that's on my that's on my list of places to go. I want to hit Truist Park. And now that now that Fander allowed back at all the stadiums, I, I want that's that's something I want to do again. I want to re I want to restart my ballpark tour across America. I'm I'm ready for it. And speaking of ballpark tours across America, there's going to be a bunch of free agents that are going to have to do that now this year. So in the days leading up to free agency, teams are starting to offer out their qualifying offers. The Mets offered Michael Conforto and Noah Syndergaard. And these, these qualifying offers are $18.4 million for one year. And most people will say that's a lot of money. Like how, like how could you not take it? And then you'll have the people who will say, well, if you can get a multi-year deal, why wouldn't you do that? With this year being the expiration of the CPA and there being potential labor crisis about to happen, I don't know what kind of contracts are going to be laid out this year. So I, I could see some of these guys taking up those qualifying offers just to be safe for this season. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Is this, this we've seen over the last couple of years the MLB and the MLBPA have really butted heads over a lot of things, be it the extra innings or universal DH or the split of money. That's there's a there's a lot that needs to be hashed out, and it's not going to be done in five minutes. This is going to take weeks, months. And that, that's gonna be times, that's gonna be time where general managers aren't going to be throwing money around like drunken sailors. Because they're gonna probably have directives from their ownership groups that say, don't, don't spend the money. I, I'm not in the, uh, I'm not in the front office. So I have no idea how that's gonna go down. But it's, it's kind of fun to speculate. What might happen? Like the, the like, the likelihood is, I, I'd like to think cooler heads pr- will prevail and they, and a new CBA will get reached. And hopefully, and ho- hopefully we will see that because no, nobody wants to see a work stoppage. We haven't seen one since 1995 or 1994 that trickled into the 1995 season. And so the cancellation of the World Series. They got close in 2002, but an 11th hour deal was hit, was struck right before the players were about to strike. So we, we've seen almost 30 years of labor peace in Major League Baseball. And that, that's really good to see. You don't want to see that all thrown away now. Especially when we've seen it over the last two decades, we've seen lockouts in 
all the other sports. The NHL has lost a combined two full seasons over the last 25, 30 years to lockouts. We've seen the NBA lose a combined full season over the last 20 plus years. We saw the NFL almost lose games. They, they luckily, they were lucky they got it done, I think in August. I think they only lost a couple preseason games. They just had, and then they just had to do the replacement ref thing, which was a disaster in and of itself. Baseball has had the longest standing, the longest run of continuous play. And that's, and that's in jeopardy. This, this was a fun thing I saw yesterday. I was watching UFC 268 and Houston Astros shortstop Carlos Correa was in attendance. And, you know, UFC 268 was in Madison Square Garden and we all know where Madison Square Garden is. And we all know that Carlos Correa is a free agent and he has, he hasn't outright denied that he wouldn't sign with New York. So, you know, that, that got Yankees fans and Mets fans probably very excited. Oh, could he be here to talk with Brian Cashman? Could he be here to talk to Steve Cohen? Cause the Mets don't have a general manager yet. They don't have a president of baseball operations. I mean, I'm, Brian, have you, have you gotten your call from the Mets about interviewing? Well, Brian hasn't gotten, gotten his call to interview. I haven't gotten my call to interview. I'm in, Uncle Stevie, I'm waiting. I, I will, I'll tell you exactly what I, what I'm going to do. I'm getting rid of the analytics department. That's for one thing. Or, if I have to keep it in my will, but I'm, I'm knocking their say down for like 10%. Like, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a 90-10 thing in their direction. I, I want to, I want to see, I want to see a team who says, we're going to, we're going to go with what the manager, his gut feeling. A guy like, a manager is generally somebody who's been in baseball for decades. Who knows the game? Who either played it or has been around it forever? I would certainly trust a manager's gut decision in more, more often than not. Because why shouldn't you? This is a guy who's played in those situations a hundred times. Who has, who as a player succeeded and failed in both. Who as a coach and then later on as a manager probably did those things over and over and over again. I don't need a, I don't need a computer to tell me that the pitcher that I'm watching on the mound is cruising, and even though he might be at 95 pitches and we're going into the sixth inning and he's facing the lineup for a third time, I'm going to write him out. Why, why should I have, why should I listen to a computer who's going to tell me, no, take him out? I, if I see that he's doing well, why shouldn't I keep him in? Like I had said from, during the playoffs, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers were playing game five against the San Francisco Giants, and Max Scherzer wasn't going to pitch. It was going to be, I think it was Corey Kniebel was going to be the opener for game five. And I, and Dave Roberts said, like, he had, he had his say, but it was a group decision with the front office and the analytics departments. And if I'm a manager, that would, that would just really agitate me that in game, in a, in a win or go home scenario, I can't have my best pitcher be on the, be on the pitcher's mound to start the game. 
that I got to use this opener for one, maybe two innings, and then I got to cobble together the rest of it. Why shouldn't I be able to use the pitcher that I want to to get me six innings, to get me give me those 15, 18 outs? Why should I have to get six outs and then try to figure out the rest of the game from there? Because that's, to me, like that's just me playing a video game. If I'm just doing everything the computer tells me. Like then you're you're taking the human element out of it. Like I like what at that point what do you need a manager for? Just send just send a message to the bench and let somebody just be like, Okay, next pitcher, let's go. Because then you, you don't really need to manage because the computer is building up building out the lineup. It's telling it's telling you when to take a pitcher out. What do you need a coaching staff for? I I, I just I don't fully understand how that really makes the game better. I, I know it has a place. I, I don't deny that. But I don't think it should be the be-all, end-all of, of baseball. Like, there still needs to be that human aspect to it. Because when it comes down to it, the players are still human beings. They go through ups and downs. They have, they have things going on. They have, they get injured. They go on hot streaks. They go on cold streaks. And a computer is just going to be like, this is the guy who should be in right now. But if my guy is hitting, is Ofer's last 27, guess what? I don't want him in the lineup. Because that's now three free outs I'm giving away. Just because the computer says, oh, this guy has the greatest expected batting average. I'm, I'm sorry, that doesn't, that really doesn't fly with me. And it's why, I see a lot of people who want, who want the Mets to hire Buck Showalter as the manager. And I think that would be a good move. Buck Showalter knows the game of baseball. He, he's been in the league for a long time. And he's won. But I don't see any team giving him that chance because he's, anymore, because he's not going to, no pun intended, play ball with all the analysts. He, I'm sure he'll do some of it because He's probably used some of it before, but I don't think he's going to go full in. You know, this is the way. This is what this is what I'm going to do because this is what it's telling me to do. I think he wants to still have some kind of autonomy over his lineups, over the roster. You know, when things are going to go, when he's going to make those changes that need to be made. I, I don't think he wants somebody telling him when he should be doing that, and. I, if that if that is the case, I do respect that because that that's someone who's who knows what he wants and knows and knows what to do. I mean, he you're not a manager in Major League Baseball for twenty plus years without having some sense of knowing what you're doing. I mean, you, like you you don't you don't see guys stick around going sixty one and one hundred one every year. <laughs> Those guys fizzle out after two three years. Like you gotta have some winning pedigree to be an employed major league manager for as long as a guy like Showalter or Joe Torre or Tony Larusa. Like th- like those guys, those guys win because they're they're good baseball people that don't need to be told what to do from someone my age who was picked last in every sport that they ever played. That's to me. 
I don't want to say Moneyball ruined baseball because it didn't, but I, I think it kind of took away what exactly baseball should be. It's a game that's meant to be played by people, not on a computer. That's, and and that's when, when I when I was watch as I would watch games this year, I, I something that caught my and it's been it's been on my mind for a while, is that everybody strikes out a gazillion times a year. Like when when the Yankees traded for Joey Gallo, like I I know Joey Gallo from watching him from Texas. And like I, I knew that he's he can hit the ball a mile, but he doesn't he doesn't put the ball in play a lot. He strikes out over two hundred times a year. Like they, I think he's already like I think he's already maybe like two hundred strikeouts away from Pete Rose's career strikeouts, and he's only played like seven years, and Pete Rose played like twenty five. So when you're that close to one of the greatest hitters of all time in strikeouts in a third of the time, that's alarming. And the fact that nobody seems to care that strikeouts are... that Nothing that nothing happens. At least if you put the ball in play, some a fielder can boot the ball. Maybe he throws it away. And it gets, it gets people moving. People are tuning out from baseball because nothing happens. Like if the ball's not going over the fence... It, it's basically just the game of catch between the pitcher and catcher with a guy swinging a bat and everybody else is standing around. And that that's not fun. Like, I, you want to see guys who can beat the shift. You want to see guys who will try to steal a base, do a hit and run. Put Getting the ball in play and getting people moving is what's going to keep people engaged. That's why hockey is such a fun sport to watch because something is always happening because they're always moving. So basketball is a good sport to watch because something's happening. Ball, the ball is constantly moving around. They're setting picks. They're setting zones, screens. You know, three pointer goes in, and now they quickly transition from offense to defense. Baseball doesn't have that because it's a pitch. If the ball is put in play, yes, something happens. But if not, catcher catches it, throws it back to the pitcher. You wait 20 seconds, and you do it again. There's a lot of standing around. There's a lot of dead time, much like in football, where at least with football, you know, you have a play every 35 seconds, but all 22 people are doing something in that moment, where with baseball, you could potentially have seven people on the field that are standing there looking at the clouds or just doing nothing, and that's... That's not fun. You, you, if I, if I'm the commissioner, I, I'm looking to see how I can, how I can get the game back towards that. And where it's not just home runs or nothing. And look, home runs are great because they drive in the most runs. They draw, they draw attention because usually it's a ball that's hit 420 feet and is a great shot. It's great visual. But, not everybody's going to do that. So you got to have guys who just hit the ball into the gap and make make you run after it. You know, get get the crowd into it because you know a double is doubles are doubles and triples are exciting. You don't see triples that often. And it's exciting when you see the guy make the turn from second make going towards third and is he going to make it? 
Is he gonna is he gonna get there? Here comes the throw. He's safe. Yes, great. And now everybody's up on their feet. They're buzzing. They're excited because something happened. Because they saw people moving. They saw a they saw a ball being put into play that is making that's making a chain reaction of everything else. And that's what the game needs. It needs more more life. There's a reason why the why baseball has the oldest demographic. Like a lot of kids aren't watching baseball. And that's a that's a problem. And that's something that I think needs to be addressed. And they're they're trying, but I don't think they're doing it the right way. I don't know what the right way exactly is, but I know whatever they're doing now is not it. You know, getting the, getting the gambling involved, I think, is a good thing for the fans. You know, you get you can you know you can get skin in the game, and a lot some of the stadiums where gambling is legal, they have in house. They have in-house casinos that you could that you could place the bets on. So that's that's something to to add on to. So at least now you now you have an, a vested interest in what's happening. So you you take you take the Baltimore Orioles money line. You're now going to be paying attention to that game because like okay, I need the Orioles to win. So that's that's something that we got go, we got going there, and I and I think that's that's a good start. But now, now I want to see what they can do with. Okay. Okay, we got. Looks like we got somebody on the line. Who do we got tonight? Oh, you got Dave from Franklin Square. How are you? Hey, Dave. What's up? Not, not much. Uh, you know, the, you you make a lot of points as far as the crowd in baseball. But the one thing, um, and again, I'm I'll be pushing 65, is the people that uh, you know for decades actually watch the game. Now you have so many people just watching their phones that the game is, you know, it, you know, it, it really doesn't make that much of a difference because what happens is they're looking at their phones, and then when the crowd roar goes up, they, they that's when they actually start paying attention. Yeah, like I mean, like when I when I was a kid, my dad taught me how to how to keep the book. So sure. uh, So like when so when I was so every every time I go to a game, I'll buy a program and I'm I still keep the book. You know, I'm I'm 30 and I still do that and. Anytime, everybody I go to the game with that isn't my father says, "Why do you do that?" Like because it that's that's what I that's what I do to keep myself invested in the game. It's like I know I'm watching every pitch to see what's happening, so I know where the ball goes. And I I, I do agree with you. I in that sense that you know if you're if you're looking down at your phone, you're not seeing what's going on. I I totally I totally get that. But that's where I that's where I. I feel like if think more things are happening, where let you know we see more stolen bases, we see more hits and runs. Where now you have to be paying attention because it's not just it's not just three three quick strikes and that's it. That's what's going to get more people not looking at their phone because they're they're, they're going to have to be paying attention to what's going on the field because something could happen in that moment. See, but you you bring up you know and again uh, a New York idea. Because we have so much else going on, is when you start getting into the middle part of the country and other places. And I, I, I'm not trying to be disparaging. Is you know this is when the Yankees come in or a very good team comes in, everybody pays attention to what's going. I, again, like I said, that's why they put the netting up. So nobody nobody would take a foul ball off the off their coconut because they were looking at their uh, their phone. 
But, uh, you know, and again, and then all of a sudden it comes to the playoffs and everybody pays attention. But at the same time, they are watching whether there be another playoff game going on. Again, we've entered a different age altogether. I, and I don't disagree with that, but I will, I will also say in defense of the Nets, you know, the players are a lot bigger, a lot stronger now, and I can be paying attention. I'm still not going to catch up a, a ball that's coming 104 miles an hour at me. Like, that's going to, that's going to, that's going to drill me in the head too. Like, I, I could be staring right at it, and I'm going to watch it get bigger and bigger, and it's going to, it'll be me right in the head. Well, you know, I mean, I, they used to put that little sign on the back of your seats when you sat close back, you know, going back to the 30s and 40s. Pay attention. And I understand what you're saying is the uh, velocity would be a little bit too much. But, uh, it also takes away a little bit from the game. But that, you know, again, that's inconsequential as, you know, you don't want the lawyers in the middle of this. Yeah, for sure. But yes, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the game, it's a slow game. It will always be a slow game. And, uh, what you have to do is you've got, you basically got to, um, make the league smaller. You have to make it more competitive. So, because, you know, I, I, you know, I, who wants to go to the West Coast and play, you know, a couple of steps when they're having off years? And then you go into what? Kansas City. And then all of a sudden you're lucky, you know, with the league, Interle- interleague's got to go. That goes be, that, that is the, the worst thing in the world that ever happened to baseball because the rivalries are gone. I would love a Yankee, you know, even Baltimore, who cares? Mets, Atlanta, who cares? But in, in these ridiculous matchups with, you know, American League and National League teams that mean nothing all through the year just basically bring the level down. That's when you're waiting for the home run because you don't know who the other players are in the sense that all you've seen is statistics. Well, let's talk about that in the old days when there was actually a box score you could read, but let's, you know, forget that. Even if it was a day late, you didn't mind reading the box score. But now there's no such thing anymore. So all you now do is see who's leading the league and this, that, and the other thing. And then you, all of a sudden, you're looking for that one player, which is ridiculous. Well, Dave, thank you for the, thank you for the call. And, you know, I, I will have to disagree with you on the interleague thing. Like, well, I don't think it needs to be played every single day. I would move one team from the either from the National League or the American League into the other, so it goes back to sixteen fourteen, and then you can you only have to do that for two weeks out of the year. I I will agree with you that it gets watered down when they play it every day, but I, I like to see it every now and then because a team like the Miami Marlins, why shouldn't they get to see the Texas Rangers every now and then, or why why shouldn't they get to see the Minnesota Twins? That that way you get to immerse yourself with the rest of the league, and that. In the days before, you know, big cable networks and MLB network, you only got to see your team and the team that they were playing that day. You didn't get you didn't get to see all all the rest of the players with the exception of the All Star game. Now you have the opportunity to watch everybody else. So why shouldn't you have that opportunity to see them in person rather than just the one one or two times a year you choose to watch them on TV? So like I, I get the MLB package. The MLB TV package, because I like to watch, I like to watch the Arizona Diamondbacks on occasion. When he was on the when he was on the Colorado Rockies, I would I would watch Nolan Arenado every night. So now I watch a lot of Cardinals games because he's someone that I enjoy watching as a player. So I I, I make sure that I know who's doing what around the league because I like to I like to be knowledgeable. I like to watch other teams. So that way, if somebody says, what do you think about this player? 
I know what they're doing. And because I was working, I was working nights for so long, I watched plenty of West Coast games because it was, that was what kept me awake. Like, I, I watched plenty of Dodger games. I watched plenty of Padres games. Like, there's a reason why Fernando Tatis is one of the brightest young stars in the league. Because he is, he is fun to watch. He's, he's enjoyable, even if he can't field, which he can't. But that, that doesn't matter. Because he's somebody that the league can, re, can really market around. And I believe they should. So why shouldn't the New York Yankees get to see a guy like him and the Yankees fans get to see a guy like him come in, come into Yankee Stadium once every couple of years? I think that's, that's good for baseball when you get that exposure all over the country. But that's going to do it for me tonight. Uh, unfortunately, Albert Alzali was not able to make it tonight, so we will hopefully have him next time. want to thank my man Brian Grace behind the glass. And that's going to do it for me tonight. I'm Andy Sukoff. You've been listening to Sports Talk New York here on WGVB, 1240 AM and 95.9 FM. I'll be back again soon. But until then, happy Thanksgiving. expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.